Isaac told Ezekiel to mute me at inconvenient times. So you've been warned that I could be muted at any point, thanks to Zeke. <laughs> um, so if you guys are not aware, if this is your first Sunday here for Tent Church, we've been taking the summer to talk about Proverbs and to say, Solomon says, Solomon says this. Tim led it off with Solomon says something about the fear of the Lord. I don't know. And um, basically we've been taking a week, every week, to talk about things that Solomon says. So uh, this week, I wanted to talk to you guys about something that is really near and dear to my heart. And I wanted to talk to you guys about the weights that we carry in our lives. I wanted to talk to you about the things that we carry. Maybe it's not necessarily sin, but things that we carry on our backs every day that weigh us down, that keep us from his presence. So I really believe that I have taken a lot of time to pray into this. And Tim's already prayed, so I'm not going to pray again. But there are things that we carry in our lives that God has not called us to carry. There are things in our lives that we have been taking on like it's our responsibility. And these responsibilities aren't necessarily bad things. But they're things that God does not want us to carry in our lives. And there are things that I believe that this morning, if you came this morning and you have so many weights on you that you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And if you step out, if you take just 10 seconds to take a break, that the world is gonna collide in on you. That you have to be present all the time. Otherwise, things, bad, things are gonna happen to you. Um, I want to share into that. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but I have three little kids. <laughs> yeah. Isaac and I had kids, three kids. They're all a year and a half apart. And that is basically me for quite a few years of my life just being a revolving door of babies. You know, I'd give birth to one, I'd breastfeed that one, and then I'd give birth to another one, and then I'd breastfeed that one. I was not free from a child for years. <laughs> for years of my life. And so I felt during that season just such a weight on me. And I don't know if you came this morning and you feel this weight on you that people's lives, I mean, some of it is not bad things. Having kids is a beautiful thing and something that God's called me to do. But that weight during that season where my kids were small was so heavy on me, you guys. It was so heavy because it felt like if I wasn't there all the time, if I was not omnipresent, which these are attributes of God, not us, but if I was not omnipresent and giving my all all the time, then my kids would suffer for it. And so I took time to just be like, I just have to be a martyr for my kids. I just have to be a martyr. And that's not God's calling for you. That's not God's calling for me. The weight of the world does not have to be on your shoulders all the time. But there are need-to-dos in our lives. For you, maybe you're not a mom this morning. Most of you probably aren't. <laughs> At least half of you, right? Um, <laughs> but there are need-to-dos in our lives. Maybe it's that you need to be successful. And so you're going to college and you're like, I have to be successful in my life. I have to make something of myself. Or maybe it's that you need to have a house for your family. You know, we know that rent has never been higher, and it really sucks. And so maybe you're like, I need to find a house for my family. And so you feel that weight of trying to find somewhere for your family to live. Maybe it's that 
You need to find good education in a field that you're good at, and you have the weight of those finances from college just weighing you down, and you feel it daily that you have to pay off these loans, and you need to find a good job to be able to pay off these loans. There's a million things that are need to dos in our lives, but that need to do might be so crushing to you this morning that we often lose sight of where God is in all of it. Those weights. Oftentimes, and they're not bad things. Those weights can crush us to the point to where we can't even see where the God of the universe, our provider, is. When we think about these weights, they keep us from His presence. And I believe that the power and the presence of God this morning wants to free some people from their need to dos, from this list of things that we feel are crushing us. I believe that this morning God wants to set you free from those things. And、the problem really isn't the things ever. The problem is the order in which we live them. So, like being a mom is a really good thing, and it's a need to do that I have on my list, unless I want CPS come and take my kids away. So, if this is a need to do on my list, it's not like I can just get rid of that. But the problem is order. What is your order in your life? What is your order? Because the first and foremost thing that we always need to do is spend time in the presence of God, doing His will, and that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. So, if you wanted to pull up,、um, oh, just so you guys know, I have every verse of mine in the ESV version. So, if you guys are going to be in your Bible app on your phone, then it's going to be ESV version. If you brought a paper Bible and it's like New King James, that sucks. Sorry. <laughs> so, I'm going to open to Ecclesiastes 12. 13 and 14. That's the very last chapter of Ecclesiastes, and that is Solomon. Technically, it's not Proverbs, but it is Solomon. Amen. At the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, and that fear is an awe, a reverence for God. Fear God and keep His commandments, things that He tells us to do. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, and every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear God, and keep His commandments. That is the whole duty of man. And I know this is basic theology here, so bear with me. Solomon says to fear God and keep His commandments. It's the thing this morning: fear God and keep His commandments. Um. So the first thing that I wanted to mention is that first aspect, which is fear God. Now, Tim, if you wanted to hear a really robust, thick message about the fear of God, you can go back to Tim's first sermon that he preached out here. So I'm not going to dive really far into that because you have good sustenance for that already. But、um, in sum, it's basically a reverence and an awe of what God says. I know you are, and I will never be away from you. It's basically this desire and this fear of I never want to be parted from my God, and so that's really what that fear is. It's not like I'm scared to be away from. I'm scared of His presence, but it's scared I'm away from His presence. Does that make sense? So nothing will keep you from the presence of God, like the weight that you refuse to give Him. I want to say this again: nothing will keep you from the presence of God. Like a weight in your soul that you refuse to give him. Does that make sense? You know, you'll always feel the weight tied to anxiety and fear 
about the thing that gets between you and God, like this. I have, say that that's the presence of God, represented by my Bible. And I'm over here. And if you have something that gets between you and the presence of God, whether it's, you know, homelessness. Maybe you're scared that you're going to be homeless. And so you let that, and that becomes so large that you can't even see the presence of God behind it. Does that make sense? That weight and that anxiety in your life will only keep you from his presence unless you do this. You grab it, and you bring it into his presence, and you allow him to take hold of it. Our anxieties in life can either bring us closer in intimacy with the Lord, or they can keep him from his presence. Does that make sense? Yes. So I, I want you guys to understand that just because it's not a sin issue in our life, oftentimes we'll focus so much on sin and how we don't want to be, you know, having an affair or we don't want to be watching pornography. We have these things that are sin issues in our lives, which I don't want to disregard because that also keeps you from his presence. But it is not just sin issues that keep us from his presence. It is not. And just because it is a good thing in your life does not mean that it doesn't keep you from his presence. And that presence is the thing that gives us sustenance to be able to do the things that he wants us to do, to be able to help fuel us for those need-to-dos in our lives. So Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The NIV says instead of, um, it says let your requests be made known to God, it says present your requests. And so that's, that's the idea, is that when we take these things, these fears, these anxieties, these weights in our lives, and when we carry them into his presence, and we let him have them, the the Bible says, and we have to believe what the Bible says, right? So this is the deal. You can either take this word and say, it doesn't apply. I'm the one person in the world that this verse doesn't apply to, which come on. Do you really believe that? Or you can say, this is the word of God, and I'm going to activate it in my life. And so it says, present your requests to God and the peace of God. So in exchange, we give him these anxieties and the peace of God, which is way over our circumstances, which are way over our weights in our lives. The peace of God will overcome all these things because he understands more than us. So do not hold back your weights from God. Sometimes we know that Christ died for us but we also need to know that we don't need to add to the cross. We do not need to add to the cross. The cross is enough. It's enough, like they were talking about earlier that, um, I don't know if it was during prayer inside or outside, I don't know. Sometime this morning they were talking about how we have everything we need for life and godliness because the cross is enough. We do not need to add to it. We do not need to carry these things on our back and add to the cross. He does not want your good works more than he wants to know you. Oh, wait. Is this double-sided? Okay, I just turned the page before I read the verse. Okay. I was like, this is not right. <laughs> okay, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. You got that one? No? 
Yeah? Okay. Nice. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I find that very interesting. That it says, uh, the one who does my will, the will of my Father who is in heaven. So the will of, of Jesus' Father who is in heaven is not necessarily the same thing as works for him. Isn't that crazy? That you can be doing something that is godly, but it is not a work of God who is in heaven. So we can play church all day long, right? We can even do things that are good, like raising our kids, things that are beautiful, like having a family and doing things that are the work of, of um, and doing something that is mighty works in his name. It is a mighty work to raise children. It is a mighty work to have a job in the field of like nursing. It's a mighty work. But that does not mean that he knows you. This means nothing if you do not have relationship with God. If you do not have relationship with God, this is just knowledge. But it is wisdom to people who know him. He does not want your good works more than he wants to know you. That's the point of this verse. Is that it is about, it's not just about saying, Lord, Lord. It's about knowing him in that intimate place doing what he calls you to in that place of relationship with him. What's the point of trying to carry the weight if you don't have the one thing that makes it all worth it? What's the point? What's this all about? What's the point of raising kids if you do not have the one who you can give them to? I mean, look at Hannah. She literally gave birth to a kid and she was like, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Guess I'll just make a sweater every year and give my kid to the church because that's what God wants me to do. Isn't that crazy? Hannah was like, what does God want me to do? Give my child to the church? That's fine. I'll do that. And then God rewarded her with like a million more kids. I mean, I don't know the exact number, but it was a lot more. <laughs> so the second thing is this. Do his commandments. Now, this says commandments in this verse in Ecclesiastes, but we know that the law of God is written on our hearts if we know him. That's in Romans 8. And now we know that the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us into all truth. That's the difference between knowing the Bible and having a relationship with God while knowing the Bible. So we know that when Ecclesiastes says in the command, that when Ecclesiastes says commandments, it goes further than just not stealing and not like murdering people. Um, yeah, I mean, don't do that. But like, <laughs> if God has told you to do something, if Holy Spirit is telling you something that you need to do, you have a duty to keep it. You have a duty to keep it. This is the whole duty of man, is to know him and to do the thing that he's called you to do. Now, if anybody has a right to speak into this, I mean, we always have time to do the will of God. But if anybody has the right to speak into us, it would be Solomon. 
Number one, learn the hard way. I mean, really. And then also, he's somebody who had a lot of weights in his life. I mean, he had too many wives. He had a ton of kids, and he had a whole nation that was following him. And when David died and passed the throne to Solomon, I mean, it was very heavy, very heavy, the weight that Solomon took up. So I know that what you're thinking, you don't understand the weights that I carry. You don't understand why this doesn't apply to me because of this. Okay, unless you're ruling an entire nation and have a million wives with kids, your weight is not as big as you think it is, bro. It's just not. <laughs> okay, where was I? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Solomon had a lot of need-to-dos in his life. He had a lot of things that he needed to do. And he had a kingdom. So there's this... Uh, I really wanted to talk about this. Because... There was a time in my life where I feel like I didn't have room for the leading of God in my life. And it was when my kids were young, and I felt like I was so tied down that I did not have any time. I felt like I was only ever, like the weight of being a stay-at-home mom, like I had to spend my life as a martyr staying home with the kids and never seeing somebody, I'd live in sweatpants. Like that was what I felt like I had to do. Like, I have to sacrifice myself for the kids, and there's no room for the leading of the Holy Spirit. But the thing is that we always have time for the leading of the Holy Spirit. We always have time. And there, it was a Facebook post, and this is a well-meaning Facebook post, and there's absolutely a time and a season for this Facebook post. But it basically talks about how, you know, men come to God on mountaintops because they have to, and they have time for that. But women have to do daily life stuff. So God meets us where we're at because we don't have time to go to the mountain. God knows that we have to take care of our families, as if fathers don't have to take care of their families. <laughs> women have to take care of their households, and they've got to make sure that they're pro providing food on the table for their families and making sure people are well-fed. And so... Men have to go to mountaintops to hear from God, which all of this is not biblically accurate. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that this is exactly the way it is. But uh, men have to go to mountaintops, and they get to go there and hear from God, but God meets with women where they're at in daily mundane life. Now, first of all, like Daniel said, he met with him in his daily mundane chores with a burning bush. So it's not just women that God meets with in the mundane. However, I want to say this. There is all, there's definitely a time for that, but when I heard this on the internet, I just felt so weighed down. Like, have you ever felt like God is speaking to you, and you just somebody says something to you and adds a weight into your life as to why you can't do the thing God wants you to do, and it just deflates you? You know, like, they just put a weight on your back and you're like, I guess I just got to buckle up and carry it for the rest of my life. It was really painful for me in a, in a time where I had a list of need-to-dos. To hear online that this is just the belief, the belief that, that this person, not, not everybody, that this person had was that 
Women need to do the daily mundane stuff, and God will just meet you where you're at to be able to fill you up to do the things you need to do. Church, this is not biblically accurate. God meets with you regardless of who you are, regardless of the weights that are on your back. You need to know that you always have time to do his will. If you're coming from Walmart and you see somebody on the side of the road and you feel that nudge in your heart to ask them if they need something, you have time for that. God will not give you something to do and not give you the strength to do it. If he is telling you to do something, he will always provide a way. He is, and we sing about it all the time, waymaker, miracle, but do we believe it? Okay? Like, do we believe that he will make a way? Not just for the big things, but for every little thing that he tells you to do. He will give you the way and the strength to do it. God is not somebody who wants to deflate you. He is not, the Spirit of God does not want you to feel weighed down. That's not what God does. His presence only wants to empower you. The presence of God wants to empower you to love him and to do his will. My job did not change when I got married. My job did not change when I gave birth. My job has never changed. My job has always been the same, and that is this. The whole duty of man is to fear God and do his commandments. That never changes in your life. That never changes. We're not the only ones who struggle with this, okay? Israelites, bless their hearts, they struggled with this. <laughs> if there's one thing we can always count on, it's that the Israelites messed up in literally every way that we messed up. So let me give you a little background. Um, the Israelites were told by God, hold on just a second. Some people need water to preach. I just need a good amount of coffee. <laughs> okay, so here's some background. The Israelites were told by God to take ground in the promised land. So they had just got done traveling to the promised land and they sent the spies out. Do you guys remember this? And they came back and they were like, the land is really great, but we're really small and they're really big. And, you know, I think that we're just going to get pounded on if we go. So they got done doing that and they still didn't believe the Lord, even when he told them that he would go with them. So they came back. God told them to scout out the land. They did. They came back. And when they came back, they said, we can't do this. And God said, no you can do this. I'm with you. I will go before you. I will go behind you. I will go all around you so that way you can do this. Yet they still didn't believe the Lord. He told them that their punishment would be that they would not enter the promised land, but instead they would die in the wilderness. So that's where this verse picks up. So if you wanted to go to Deuteronomy 1, 39 through 40, it says this, so this is after he told them that they would die in the wilderness. And as for your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your little children, who today have no knowledge of good or evil, they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. So let me put this into perspective. If this was your story and God had told you to go into the promised land and kill a bunch of giants, 
because he'd be with you. How many of you would go? Yeah, okay. You'd say, you say that. <laughs> we won't even go across the street to tell our neighbors about Jesus. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> we have the best excuses, don't we? You know, we say, well, it's about time. I'll, I'll be outside playing with the kids all day long in the yard, and it'll be about nap time, and I'll feel God telling me to talk to my neighbor or something. And I'll be like, well, it's about nap time. You know, maybe, maybe it's not a good time. You know, we, we make excuses for that, or we say, Ma, I got to mow the lawn. I got a job to do out here. We have the best excuses, but you always have time to do the thing God wants you to do. Here's the thing. It was not wrong for the Israelites to think about the safety of their children. It's not wrong. But they forgot something very, very important. Their responsibility as parents got in their way of duty as followers of God. How many times do we let things like this happen? Where God tells us to do something, and instead of saying, yes, God, I'll go, we say, well, but I've got this, 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 and this. I don't have time for that. Or, well, what about my kids? I mean, it was a fair thing for the Israelites to be thinking about the safety of their children. These were big guys, and they were scared that they were going to get swallowed up and taken for captive. And so they thought, it is beautiful for me to think of my children first. But that is not biblical. It is not biblical for us to put our children before God. Our duty never changes. It never changes. Our first responsibility always, always, always is to do what God wants us to do. And God wanted the Israelites to defeat these people. And not because they were so strong and could do it, but because God is strong and he said he'd go before them. God said that he would not, he cares about their kids. He cares about your kids. But the problem was order. What God saw as an opportunity to show their children what he was capable of, the parents saw as a threat that they needed to keep their children from. How many times do we do this, church? How many times do we not see as an opportunity the way God sees it, but we see it as something we need to keep things from? They had a chance to conquer the land for their children, for their children before their very eyes, to see their parents as victorious people of God. But their responsibility kept them from this. It kept them from their children seeing them as conquerors. Instead, their children had to watch their parents die for their disobedience. That's heavy, man. You do not want to be in between you and God. And their children knew it. Their children knew that their parents put them between them and the promises of God. And that is not something children actually want. And if children want that, they're brats, man. Who cares? <laughs> I have kids, I can say that, right? <laughs> their survivalist mentality kept 
to keep their children safe only kept them wandering in the desert until their parents died off. And those very kids that their parents were scared of, that their parents tried to shelter, possessed the land and conquered the giants. I don't want to be the parent who lets my kids conquer the giants that I was supposed to conquer. Maybe it is a pornography issue. You need to conquer that. God has called each and every one of us to be conquerors. Okay, let's see where I was. Our sacrifice, that's what it is. Our sacrifice, the Bible is very clear about this, that our sacrifice is not better than our obedience. What areas of your life are you being a martyr when God has not asked you to do that? Our sacrifice is not better than obedience. You do not need to dread or be afraid of obedience to Christ. If you believe that he is who he says he is, then you do not need to be scared to obey him. It is not reckless to do what God has told you to do. I believe God wants to set us free from this constant, constant weight of needing to be responsible at the expense of obedience. We all grow up, and as we grow up, we constantly hear how we need to be responsible. Now, there is room for that, and I'm not saying be, be reckless and just do whatever and be stupid. But what I'm saying is, do not be responsible at the expense of obedience. It's just not right, and it's not going to be something that is blessed by God. I was miserable because I was being disobedient. I was miserable. God has called me to do ministry, and because God's called me to do ministry, me staying home and putting these weight on my backs and just trying to be by myself at the house with the kids and being a martyr for my kids was not obedience. And it was not, it's, it's almost like we put these things on a pedestal, like it's so honorable for us to martyr ourselves for our families or for, you know, or for our work. We're workaholics and we martyr ourselves and we say it's honorable. Look how honorable it is because of what they're doing. But let's be honest, it's not honorable to be disobedient. It's just not. Okay, Luke 12, 28 through 34. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, which I don't know why you'd throw grass in the oven, but <laughs> how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink or be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek the kingdom of heaven, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And all the legalism in the room is like... <laughs> 
all of our self-desire to like take care of ourselves and make sure that everything's okay is like dying on the inside of us because when you read verses like this that says sell everything who cares about this world you're like yeah i gotta survive my survivalist mentality is killing me okay but here's the thing what's this say because the, the world says this is reckless the world says that this is foolishness be responsible. I mean, this isn't responsible to sell things. This isn't responsible to lay up treasures in heaven. You've got to make sure you've got things taken care of here now. This passage says that he knows that you need all these things. I mean, what does it say? It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The problem when we read verses like this is that we don't remember and keep in mind that he loves us that he knows what we need, that he knows that, that we need these things to survive. And we try to make sure, like, we, like he doesn't see us. We need to make sure that we have a house, that we have you know, a good job, that we're providing for ourselves, blah, 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 blah. We forget that he cares about us, and he knows that we need these things, and he'll provide for us. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, it says. And I'm not saying that everyone here needs to sell everything they have and be homeless forever. I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily. Maybe God's telling you to do that. I don't know. It's not on me. But uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that you need to do that. But I am saying this. Your anxieties are not helping you. They're not helping your kids. How miserable is it to have a parent who's anxious all the time and depressed and fearful? They're always lashing out at you. It's not helping your families. It's not helping your spouse. It's not helping anything for you to be anxious. This is something I had to learn a while ago. Isaac is not an anxious person <laughs> by nature. He's so laid back and chill. And I had to learn when, when Luella was little, my oldest, when she was little, if she got a, a fever, she'd run it high. I mean, she'd be like 103, 104. And I'd freak the crap out. I'd be like, we gotta figure this out, my kid. <laughs> but Isaac would not be worried. And I had to learn the hard way after so much time and being like, you just don't care as much as I do. That you do not, carry mo you do not care more just because you worry more. I was worried, but that does not mean that I cared more than Isaac. In some ways, he cared more because he let his worries go. And sometimes we worry, like, you know, I want my kid to be saved. They're going down the wrong path, and that really sucks for my life, and I know that they need Jesus, so I'm just going to worry about them all the time. I'm scared about these things that are going on in my life. But you do not care more for your child just because you worry about them. Psalm 127, 1 through 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go a bit late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. How many of you in this room, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many in this room have just been laboring, have had this weight on you, and you've labored for so long, and you've eaten the bread of anxious toil, and you've gone to bed late, and you've woken up early, and you can't sleep at night because you're so anxious about the things going on, but God gives his beloved sleep. We need to learn 
how to let God do his job. We do not need to add to the cross. So do you trust him? Oftentimes, our duty to God is lowered by things in our life. We doubt what he says. Like, this is something that lowers our duty to God, is that we doubt what he says. What God says about you and to you should be the most precious thing to you. So if God has told you something, you should value that in the highest regard. If God tells you something about yourself, you should value that in the highest regard. Um, something I wanted to say, and I'm not going to read this verse because to be honest, I think I'm running out of time. But um, in Hebrews 3, it talks about unbelief and how unbelief is really tied to disobedience, and how when the Israelites were going to go in, how they couldn't go in to the promised land, and it was because of disobedience, but the reason why they were disobedient was because of their unbelief. So if you have been disobedient to the voice of God, it could be because it's tied to unbelief. Now, if you doubt him, you're faced with two options. You know, you can have faith that God asks you. You can have faith that asks God to help you in your disbelief, or you can just disobey God. So other times we lower our duty to God because we wonder if he's good. And I alluded to this early about the goodness of God. And there are some people out there who do not believe that God is pleased to give them the kingdom. And sometimes it's because that we know that we're not doing our best. Or because we know that um, sometimes we believe that God isn't pleased to give us the kingdom because we see our stains. We see the ways that we've messed up. And so we don't think that he would ever be pleased to give us the kingdom. And we have to settle low in his presence. But that's not true. That's not true. If you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, he does not see your stains. And that gives us the freedom to be able to believe him when he says that he's pleased to give us the kingdom. There is a freedom and a peace that comes with obedience and duty to God first. And some of you have been so anxious, and part of your anxiety is just tied to the lack of peace in your life. And that comes through obedience to God. Um, Luke 10, 38 through 42. I got to say this because it's like something I've always been working on. Now as they, Jesus and his followers, went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet instead of, and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The, wor the world is full of a lot of things. 
There's a lot of things on our plates every day, and as we get older, it gets more and more, and as God trusts us with more, we have more things on our plate. But choose the better thing. Choose the better thing anyway. Martha was so consumed with the weight of responsibility that she forgot that her duty is always first to sit at the feet of Jesus. It has and will always be the better thing in a world full of things. Do you have time with him? Do you long to be with him? I want you guys to think about your hunger. What do you hunger for? Maybe it's to doom scroll on Facebook. That's what the youths call looking through a bunch of posts on Facebook. Doom scrolling. There you have it. <laughs> what, you, what do you hunger for? What do you long for when you're going through a hard time? What do you want? What do you want? Do you want his presence? It is always readily available for you. Do you want to spend time with him? Do you hunger for him? Mary chose the better thing. And sometimes we do have to choose it because there's a world full of things. Sometimes we have to choose it. But it is always a choice. And it's not a choice reserved for Tim. It's not a choice reserved for John Kinsel just because he's super spiritual. It is a choice that is accessible to everybody. Everybody. Not just the men who can go up to mountains, but literally everybody. <laughs> Your families will thank you for it. Your work will thank you for it. You'll get inspiration from heaven to be able to empower you to do things without an anxious toil. You'll have rest in your heart as you're working. You'll have vision for serving. Don't you see that this is the empowerment to do those things? And those things do not feel like weight when you've spent time in his presence. They don't. And here's what I'm saying. Um, Katie, if you wanted to come up. I don't know where you're right there. <laughs> so what we do, so what do we do if we came this morning and we just have really gotten our priorities messed up? Like, I realized this morning that I've really screwed it up. I mean, I've just been carrying this thing on my back. Maybe you just feel that weight of your life, and you just, you think about, maybe it's that, you know, you've got a friend who's really down and out, and you don't know how you can help them, and you've been carrying that on your back. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Sometimes we think that we can run this race with a weight on our back, but we can't. We cannot do the distance. I've seen so many people who come and they want a relationship with the Lord, but they're unwilling to give him their weights. They think they can run with these weights, and they can't go the distance. This is not a sprint church. This is a marathon. And you have to get serious about taking these weights off our back. So what if you came here this morning and you're like, I don't know what to do. It's very, very simple. Okay? 
Our God is not a God of confusion. He does not want to make things difficult for you. He does not want you to be ensnared. It's pretty simple. You just take off the weight, man. Our God does not want to make things complicated. Sometimes the simplest answer is really the one. It says this, lay aside every weight and run with endurance. Here's what I'm saying. I think the enemy wants us to overcomplicate things. He wants it to seem like we're trapped and we can't get this off of us. But it is a lot more simple than we think. The one who promised is faithful. He is faithful. And if we would just look up at him and see his face, we'll see it's not that hard. Just lock eyes with him. Um, I just wanted to take a second to just read a couple verses over you because it's not too late. Maybe you came here today and you have something in your mind that you're like, God really wants me to deal with this. Or maybe you've never been baptized. What a beautiful morning to lay off the weight and feeling like you have to have everything put together in order to be baptized. That you have to know more about the Lord. That you should have brought swim trunks. <laughs> Who cares, man? If God wants you to get baptized this morning, it is not too late. It is never too late to do the thing that God's putting on your heart. The enemy makes things so complicated. Like it has to be a procedure. It's not a procedure to do the will of God. He makes it easy. His burden really is light. Psalm 147, 2 through 5 says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and he gives them all their names. Great is the Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And in Isaiah 61, it says, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and that he may be glorified. They shall rebuild up the ancient ruins of Butte. <laughs> They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair ruined cities, the devastations for many generations. God wants to give you purpose this morning. He wants you to lay aside the weights and run. He wants you to live in freedom. So I just wanted to take a second to pray about it, and then we're going to transition to baptisms. God, I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you want us to be free. You don't want us to be hindered by our weights. You want us to run. And God, I thank you that the enemy wants to lie us and make us seem like it's not possible for our lives. But it is possible. Your promises are great and precious, the Bible says. And they're precious to us this morning. God, I pray that you would heal us. That you would bind us up. That you would make us oaks of righteousness. God, I thank you that our... Our job has never changed. No matter where we're at in life, our job has never changed. Our first duty is always to fear you and to do your will. And I thank you that we are free to do that. That we are free to do that. In your name, amen.